Beloved, as I mentioned, I'm delighted uh, to uh, be part of leading the receiving of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion into uh, fellowship with our church today. And uh, I'm going to uh, go through what we have in our OPC Black Book in terms of leading us through that process. And uh, in a moment, I'll call you forward with the elders. But at first, I'd like to read uh, this first section together as they reaffirm their faith and uh, join the Visible Church through this branch of the Visible Church. And uh, first, uh, we, we address you, Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion, directly. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank our God for the grace that was given you. And actually, if you don't mind, I did want to record this. So give me one second. I'm going to push record and I'll be back up. I don't want, since it's early, I, I'll stop. And sorry for the distraction, but I do want to record this. Okay, again, we are delighted to have Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion join the church today. And uh, first, we'd like to address you directly. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank our God for the grace that was given you in that you have accepted God's promise of salvation and publicly confessed your faith in the Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice that God in his gracious providence has brought you into this congregation and given you a desire to reaffirm the faith that you have previously professed and to unite with us. We ask that you testify before us to the faith that you profess by giving assent to the questions that I will ask you in a moment. We welcome you now to come forward and ask the elders to come forward as well as we go through that together. And then we'll have you sign the queries and we'll pray for you. And what I'm going to do is bring the microphone down for you. And actually, I think... I can bring it over to this side. Uh, let me try that. Yeah, it's long enough. The table's long enough. So that you can speak here, so people can hear you, but also so we have it on recording. And elders, you can join them over there, please. I'm going to now read uh, their official vows that they've looked through with us and gone over. And uh, this is, uh, I'm reading from a piece of paper that they are going to sign uh, after they read it, and then we'll continue together. And let me read for you now. And again, you can answer together. And you can answer uh, I do or we do or yes, however, however you prefer. Okay? So uh, we have seven questions we'll go through together. Uh, number four is a little bit long. And it, uh, I'll try to be careful how I read it so you know hold until I pause for the answer. But uh, we'll go through together. First, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God, the only infallible rule for faith and life? Yes. Do you believe in the one living and true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as revealed in the scriptures? Yes. yes. Do you repent of your sins, confess your guilt and helplessness as a sinner against God, profess Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Savior and Lord, and dedicate yourself to his service? Do you promise that you will endeavor to forsake all sin and to conform your life to his teaching and example? Yes. yes. Now, this is the longer one. Do you promise to submit in the Lord to the teaching and government of the Puritan Reformed Presbyterian Church as being based upon the scriptures and described in substance in the Westminster Confession of Faith and larger and shorter catechisms and the distinctions of this church as taught in the membership classes? Do you recognize your responsibility to work with others in the church and do you promise to support and encourage them in their service to the Lord? In case you should need correction in doctrine or life, do you promise to respect the authority and discipline of the church? Yes. yes. Number five. To the end that you may grow in the Christian life, do you promise that you will diligently read the Bible? Engage in private prayer, keep the Lord's Day, regularly, regularly attend the worship services, 
observe the appointed sacraments and give to the Lord's work as he shall prosper you. Yes. Do you purpose to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all the relationships of life, faithfully to perform your whole duty as a true servant of Jesus Christ and seek to win others to him? Yes. And lastly, do you make this profession of faith and purpose in the presence of God in humble reliance upon his grace as you desire to give account, give your account with joy at the last great day? Yes. yes. Wonderful. Well, I invite the elders to uh, offer you the, the hand of fellowship, and I'm going to come down to you to have you sign these queries together. together. knock it off if I don't. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. We do have a little more to say, and I'm sorry I didn't think to bring the remote mic down with me on the floor, so hopefully you all heard me all right. Just a few more things to say. First, need to address the congregation uh, about what has just happened. Uh, 
as Chuck and Jan, by the way, uh, Chuck goes by Chuck, and uh, I was going to jo joke with him. I know that uh, Charles would be the full name. I was going to joke. Maybe it's short for Chuckles. Uh, he's so friendly and happy. <laughs> and uh, just so you know, Janice is Janet's full uh, Jan's full name, but they 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 prefer and sign Jan and Chuck. Uh, as Chuck and Jan are received into full communion in the church, the whole congregation is obligated to receive them. For in Christ, we are members of one another. More on that this evening. Christ claims this brother and sister in his own, as his own, and calls you to serve him and her in love. Therefore, you ought to commit yourself before God to assist them in their Christian nurture by godly example prayer and encouragement in our most precious faith and in the fellowship of believers. And now we have uh, just to address you again directly, Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion. Beloved in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to all the privileges of full communion with this congregation of God's people. And I charge you to continue steadfastly in the confession that you have made, humbly relying upon the grace of God in the diligent use of the means of grace, especially the word of God, the sacraments and prayer. Rest assured that if you confess Christ before men, he will confess you before his father who is in heaven. May the God of all grace, who called you unto his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, and strengthen you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, you are received into full fellowship, and I rejoice uh, later to be serving you the Lord's Supper. I've been longing for a year for you to partake. I'm, I'm, I, I, I trust you're more excited than I am, but I'm, I've been eager to see you have the Lord's Supper together. Um, let us uh, pray once more. Lord, we rejoice and thank you that you add to the church such as should be saved and sanctified. We thank you that uh, you have drawn by your spirit, uh, Chuck and Jan, to you and then naturally to your body in formal covenant as you have covenanted with us. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful even when we are unfaithful, but pray that you will bless us to grow in faithfulness. Again, we ask your blessing, uh, your blessing on Chuck and Jan as they serve you in this church. And uh, Lord, that you may see fit to draw others here through them in their relationships in the world. And uh, Lord, that you bless them with the shine of your glorious, merciful, gracious countenance, that you do give them joy unspeakable and peace that is not of this world. And Lord, as they partake of the Lord's Supper today and as they continue to worship now in formal covenant, having professed you publicly before the world and to one another and committed themselves in covenant uh, by these vows, we ask that you bless them greatly and sustain and strengthen them. And let today especially be a, a particular blessing in their spirits of resolve and rest and rejoicing, especially as they would take of the Lord's Supper with us today and remember you and remember what you have done for them and what you promised them at your return. Bless us as we continue to worship you now in Jesus' name. And all your people said, Amen. Amen. Beloved, I invite you now to open your Psalters to Psalm 23, verses 1 to 6 on page 42. And the reason we are singing this today is what we'll be thinking about in our sermon today as it relates to the Vermilions uh, joining the church and partaking of the Lord's Supper and that what we'll look at in 1 Corinthians 10 uh, this morning and then more related to it to this evening is that the breaking of the bread, the, the blessing of the cup is communion, is fellowship. 
uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And so we rejoice that Chuck and Jan today have made a public profession of faith and they're joining the visible church. And they have, they have declared together uh, the personal pronoun. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And may we all be blessed and encouraged to be revisiting that for ourselves uh, as we stand and sing Psalm 23 together. La da 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 da, the Lord's my shepherd. I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We open our Bibles together to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You might keep it marked for this evening. We're going to come back for the next verse this evening. I think I will read both verses together this morning and this evening. But this morning, we're going to be giving our attention to verse 16. And we're giving our attention to this because uh, we rejoice again that Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion have joined the church today and are full communicant members of the visible church. And so we'll now be partaking of the Lord's Supper with us. And I think it's always a good opportunity to review together what the Lord's Supper is is and what it's about uh, for all of us, but especially would like that on their hearts as they're uh, preparing to partake together today with us. Um, so what we're looking at in verse 16 is particularly what it is, what it's talking about, and uh, that's what we'll be thinking about. We're going to think about another aspect of it, of, of it more in verse 17 this evening, but we have that in view as uh, what we'll sing in Psalm 116, I take the cup 
and I profess my vows before the congregation great. I offer up my thanksgiving as a, as a thing that we are regular doing with the Lord. We remember that baptism is the sign of being in the visible church, and communion is the sign of continuing and being fed by the Lord in the visible church. Uh, so we turn to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16 is our verse today. I'll read both, and then I'll repeat verse 16, and we'll give our hearts to hearing about that with the Lord's Supper. Hear now the word of the Lord. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Verse 17, again, will be what we look at this evening, uh, more the horizontal aspect of fellowship in the church. Uh, but this morning, we look particularly at the vertical aspect of it, if you will, our connection with Christ. Verse 16, again, the cup of blessing which we break, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Well, we again are uh, giving ourselves to review the sense and meaning of the, of the Lord's Supper together uh, as we are preparing to take of it together with the Vermilions with us for the first time and want to remember uh, what it means and uh, particularly be prepared for it as we would examine ourselves and be remembering Christ together as he tells us to do. And uh, now in formal fellowship with Christ Church, we look at what the Lord's Supper is talking about, fellowship with him and with the church. But today we focus on its fellowship with him. If you have your Westminster Standards with you, feel free to open with me. Don't worry if you don't have it. But I'm going to turn to the Westminster Catechism, uh, larger catechism, question and answer 168. I will come back to this a bit as long as another question is near it. Um, so uh, I'm going to read that for you because, again, we want to remember what is the Lord's Supper, but in particular, uh, the blessings it has in store for us. Question 168, Westminster Larger Catechism. What is the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is a sacrament of the New Testament, wherein, by giving and receiving bread and wine, according to the appointment of Jesus Christ, his death is showed forth. And they that worthily communicate feed upon his body and blood to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace, have their union and communion with him confirmed, testify and renew their thankfulness and engagement to God and their mutual love and fellowship each with other as members of the same mystical body. And what we're going to be looking at uh, most in the catechism's answer this morning, we'll revisit it this evening is that as you have it, you are having union and communion with Christ confirmed. You are saved by faith. Uh, you, are, you have confessed and confirmed him as your savior, but he confirms you as his people and that he is your savior through the sacrament to all those who are his true elect and approaching it appropriately. Uh, he confirms himself to you. He confirms your union in and with Christ. And uh, we've had a study years ago on Wednesday nights on union with Christ, and we remember that uh, some would argue that's the most important doctrine, your union with Christ. So as you partake of the Lord's Supper, as you all partake of the Lord's Supper, Christ is confirming your union with Christ through the sacrament. He does this by your faith and by the Spirit, but we believe in the Holy Spirit together. So beloved... All of you who have been taken into church membership, recognize that the partaking of the elements of the Lord's Supper are and express blessed fellowship with Christ. I give you that as the main idea of our text. The partaking of the elements of the Lord's Supper are, are and express blessed fellowship with Christ. Christ, who is the Lord of glory, the King of kings, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. As you, beloved, 
now prepare to partake. You are partaking of and with Christ himself. Though we know it is spiritual and the elements remain what they are, yet in the partaking, Christ is here in his spirit and you are partaking of him and you are having fellowship with him. And remember that he has said in the scriptures, if you do not eat of me and drink of me, you will not have life. But as you eat and drink, he is reminding you that you have life in him. What a blessing. And so as you prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper, in particular, be blessed in Christ's fellowship. That's the message for you this morning from our text. Be blessed in Christ's fellowship. Certainly it's much broader than simply our participation of the Lord's Supper we want to have in view. But the Lord's Supper would have us have in view to be blessed in Christ's fellowship. Now, when we think about family, we have in mind that there is a mutual awareness, there is a mutual affection, there is mutual attention, and frankly, there's a formal aspect of that, whether it is natural birth or by virtue of adoption, there is a formal uh, commitment from the parents to the child. Uh, and as we think about marriage that creates that family, there is a formal covenanting between husband and wife. And what is being expressed is you're not alone. You are in reciprocal love. And that is what you have as a part of the church, the household and family of God. You have fellowship. You have fellowship. That word is said twice in our scripture. If you look there with me, verse 16, although it is translated as communion here, it is that word that we often translate as fellowship or have the understanding of what communion means. It means fellowship. And notice that it is twice said. You have communion with Christ. And the Lord's Supper is affirming that to you and helping you to experience and recognize that uh, it isn't what gives you the union and communion in Christ, but it is what helps you celebrate and experience and rejoice in that and grow in that as a means of grace. Union and communion with the blood and body of Jesus. Now, this is figurative of fellowship, of course. And it is established by his crucifixion. The breaking of the bread, the blessing of the cup is bread for you, is wine for you. But it's his body and blood being represented to remember Jesus Christ was crucified for you and has brought you into forgiveness. And thus he has brought you into fellowship with the holy God. Even this morning in our readings through Leviticus, we see again this idea of eating by the priest. But there's often a broader aspect of that. There's this sense of having fellowship, a meal with the Lord. It was the Passover especially and that was changed into the Lord's Supper and himself on the last Lord, last Passover. But there's this expression of fellowship. And we understand when we want to have fellowship with someone, we invite someone over for a meal. And we have special time growing and knowing one another together. And this is what the Lord is doing with the Lord's Supper with you. You have fellowship with God. His name is Jesus. Why? Because he saved you from your sins. His name is Emmanuel. Why? Because he is God with us. And the Lord's Supper is reminding you, especially of these things. Uh, keep 1 Corinthians marked, please. But I do want to read directly together the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Verses 25 to 28. Matthew chapter 26, verses 25 to 28. You'll hear more of this as we prepare for the Lord's Supper in that part of the service uh, with what I review from the gospel. Uh, you see that Jesus sent them out to get what was needed to have the Lord's Supper together. It would be the last Passover. It becomes the first Lord's Supper because he is about to fulfill it as the true Lamb of God. Now remember, this is why there's no longer the slaughtering of an animal, just as uh, circumcision has become baptism because there's no longer blood sacrifice. They were pointing to Christ. They still have their significance 
sacraments, but the two sacraments are just because Christ's blood has been shed for you once and for all. But he is setting up this supper, and then they're getting ready to partake of it. Chapter 26, verses 25 to 28 of Matthew. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it. So notice again the blessing. And break it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so remember, the Lord is reminding you in his supper that his body broken has paid for your sins, that you don't suffer in hell forever bodily. And his blood, the blood representing the soul, the life, the life is in the blood. His blood has been poured out for you. And you keep in mind all we've been reading in Leviticus, all the ceremonial sacrificial system pointing to Christ. So his blood atones for your sin, gives you forgiveness, restores fellowship with God. That has been done once and for all. We remind you, this is not an altar, as too many churches mistakenly say. There's no sacrificing going on here. That's been done once and for all. This is a table, a table of remembrance and a table of fellowship. We're having a meal together. Christ has been sacrificed once and for all. But as he says, this is my body, eat. This is my blood, drink. Naturally, he's speaking figuratively of true realities spiritually. And he is speaking of what you have as we speak figuratively of eating his bread, eating his body, drinking his blood. The elements represent that you have life eternal in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that has taken away your sins. That this blood of the everlasting covenant has been signed in his blood, that he is faithful to you. He won't leave you. He will never forsake you. He always goes and gets his sheep and draws them back. And he's reminding you of this, your security and your assurance of salvation in him with the sacrament. The Lord's Supper is communion with Christ. That's the, the first main thing to be remembering. I, I actually overlooked that as the main first category. But the Lord's Supper is communion with Christ. It is a fellowship with Christ. And here I'd like to read something else from the larger catechism uh, on the Lord's Supper, uh, number 170. And again, if you have it with you, feel free to follow along. Don't worry if you don't. But I want to encourage you about how you are going to partake today. And uh, particularly, Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion, as this is the first time you'll be partaking, uh, we want to encourage you to have this in view as you prepare to partake. Question 170 of the larger catechism. How do they that worthily communicate in the Lord's Supper feed upon the body and blood of Christ therein? As the body and blood of Christ are not corporally or carnally present in, with or under the bread and wine in the Lord's Supper, and yet are spiritually present to the faith of the receiver. And forgive me, I was thinking of something I'm going to read later. This is more about what's being communicated to you. I'm going to come back in terms of how you want to make sure you participate. Forgive me. I, uh, I'm getting excited to get to partaking, and I, I jumped ahead. I want to make sure it's clear. This is more about what Christ is communicating to you. Let me begin again. Uh, how do they that worthily communicate in the Lord's Supper feed upon the body and blood of Christ therein? So this is what's going to happen for all of you in Christ. As the body and blood of Christ are not corporally or carnally present in, with, or under the bread and wine in the Lord's Supper, and yet are spiritually present to the faith of the receiver, no less truly and really than the elements themselves are to their outward senses. So they that worthily communicate in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper do therein feed upon the body and blood of Christ. Not after a corporal and carnal, but in a spiritual manner, yet truly and really. While by faith they receive and apply unto themselves Christ crucified and all the benefits of his death. So as you partake, this is really happening. 
you are feeding. And, and again, I'd encourage you, you know, sometimes there may be a particular uh, mystical experience in a sense. Uh, but in particular, just recognize uh, when we have our regular meals, uh, we are fed. We're not always uh, thinking about them or we're, as much as we could or should or not recognizing all the benefits we're having, but it's happening. And that's the truth for you. Naturally, you need to do it with knowledge and faith, but just trust and know and believe in the Holy Spirit and that he will apply and he will be working in you. And of course, taking of that meal regularly uh, as we do weekly, you have that opportunity that the Lord you can trust is just helping and nourishing you in the faith, growing in the faith so that you are well nourished and prepared for serving him each week in your life and even facing death. Again, the larger catechism 168, the part we're focusing on is you have your union and communion with him confirmed. He doesn't want you to doubt. He wants you to have resolve. He wants you to be confirmed in your faith. And that's what's happening, that you are in union and communion with him. Now, see this. When God looks on you, Christian, he sees Jesus. And when God looks on Jesus, he sees you. You are always accepted in the blessed Trinity. And you are in living fellowship with the holy triune God and with his body. That's what we'll be reminding you of the, the blessing of the cup and the, and the breaking of the bed, bread, the blessing of that, that you have communion. What a blessing. The Lord's Supper expresses your blessing in Christ. The Lord's Supper is communion with Christ. And in your partaking, the Lord's Supper expresses your blessing in Christ. Outwardly, in the visible participation in the word, but also inwardly by the Holy Spirit. Now think about the Old Testament fathers, especially in Genesis and the patriarchs. What was so common and regular as they knew they were about to face their death? They would bring their sons together and they would pronounce their blessing. And there was a great concern to have that blessing. They would pronounce their blessing over their sons at death. So in Christ, in his death, burial and resurrection, and don't miss at his ascension, he blessed. He breathed out and he blessed his apostles. He blessed his people. And in that blessing, what is happening? It's a declaring of family relations that have a connection beyond death. It's a declaring of your inheritance in your life and eternal life in Christ, in him and from your heavenly father. And, and we see here the word blessing is said twice. What a blessing is be pronounced to you in the supper. What a blessing you are receiving in your participation to remember him. Just like it is said twice, you have communion with Christ. You have fellowship experienced and recognized in this supper. You also therefore have a blessing that is said twice. Don't miss the repetition. The blessing of the cup and the blessing of the breaking of the bread is to remind you of how blessed you are in Christ. As Jason Halopoulos, Pastor Halopoulos said in our one of the recent Sabbath classes we've been watching, we ought to come to church with a smile. How blessed we are. Yeah, I think that's what we sing before we come in the doors in the morning, don't we? I think that's what we sing often, how blessed we are. I joyed when they said, let us go into the house of God. The blessing of the cup, the blessing of the bread. Now notice the rhetorical effect here. Is it not? Is it not? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is implied and obvious. But when a rhetorical question is employed, what, it, what it's doing, it's meant to have the rhetorical effect of you kind of you hear and respond to the question, so isn't it? Yes, indeed. The effect that he's saying is the fellowship you have with Jesus Christ as you experience and partake of and are reminded of by partaking in the Lord's Supper as having professed and confessed him before med in your public declaration in your membership vows, and now you partake of this. Are you not blessed? Are you not blessed, he repeats. By emphasizing it rhetorically, he's saying, indeed it is a blessed fellowship. Indeed it is a blessed fellowship. 
Again, it is. The larger Catechism 168 also said this. In participating, you feed upon his body. You feed upon his blood. You are quenched by his blood. It says to your spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. It is a means of grace. One of the main means of grace the Lord has for you. He brings it to you in covenanted, formal, public worship. He will nourish you spiritually and help you grow in grace. And so as we partake of the Lord in the Lord's Supper, let's remember not only with other aspects of worship, but in the Lord's Supper, indeed, indeed, he is feeding you spiritually. He is nourishing you in grace that you are going to be growing in grace, even in the partaking of it, including that you are to examine yourselves and be repenting of your sins before you sit down to partake in fellowship with him. That's a good thing for you. And then as you are reminded that you are that you have and you're receiving a fresh expression of the redemption you have in Christ once and for all, that's a good thing for you to come confess and be reminded you are forgiven of your sins. If we say we have no sins, the Bible says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the blessing we have together. Are we not blessed indeed? Or as Elder Renner has liked to have a refrain recently with the service of the church, and I'm sure he could be thinking of it in the church, aren't these great seats? And aren't we blessed that we get to do this? Indeed. You have fellowship with Christ, first of all, remember? Hebrews 13, verse 20, which... He also says he will never leave you nor forsake you. But in Hebrews 13, verse 20, the blood of the everlasting covenant of that great shepherd of the sheep. As we sang, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. The blood of the everlasting covenant is what you are to remember. You are forgiven once and for all. He loves you with an everlasting love. You are secured in the blood of Christ, sacrificed once and for all. Your fellowship with him cannot be stolen from you. You may affect it for you by how you choose to live and respond to him, but it's never taken away. It's never broken. He's a good shepherd. He'll always bring you back to the flock. So you have fellowship with Christ, but thus you have fellowship with the father. First John one verse three, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, which is why you are encouraged in the scriptures to pray our Father and to call out to the God of gods who is called your Father. You can call out to him, Abba, Father, Daddy. You're in relationship. He has adopted you, the glorious doctrine of adoption. He has made you who were at enmity with God through Christ, his own children. And so God is your father. Think about what it means when you, you have a good father and you know your father. And we've had sermons on that. He's all your needs. He protects you. You bear his name. You have his inheritance. And what does Jesus say in the gospel in the Sermon on the Mount and reflecting things like Psalm 22 and Psalm 37? The meek, blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth because he owns it all and he gives it all to you. So you have fellowship with the Son, you have fellowship with the Father, and thus you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit who is always there with you now in you to counsel and comfort you and even to pray for you. Pray on your behalf to the Father when you have no words. Remember in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the Trinitarian blessing is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. It's the same Greek word, the communion. It's koinonia, if you've heard that word. It's the koinonia. It's the 
fellowship, the Christian fellowship you have with the Holy Ghost as well. Now I will apply to you a little more about being prepared to partake. I'm going to go back to the larger catechism. This will be the last time, uh, number 174. And I would remind you that the larger catechism has a great deal to say. It's meant for mature Christians. And it does talk about how to properly prepare for the Lord's Supper, how to properly partake of the Lord's Supper, and even how to properly apply as you go out afterwards the Lord's Supper. I'm not going to get into all of that now, but you can go back if you like to the sermons through the larger catechism uh, that uh, also includes those sections uh, that are on sermon audio. But here I'd like to read uh, and draw to your attention Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion, especially, but all of us as we prepare to partake, remembering what it is and what it means, how it should mean something to us and how we partake. Question 174, larger catechism. What is required of them that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper in the time of the administration of it? It is required of them that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper that during the time of the administration of it, with all holy reverence and attention, they wait upon God in that ordinance diligently observe the sacramental elements and actions, heedfully discern the Lord's body, and affectionately meditate on his death and sufferings, and thereby stir up themselves to a vigorous exercise of their graces in judging themselves and sorrowing for sin, in earnest hungering and thirsting after Christ, feeding on him by faith, receiving of his fullness, trusting in his merits, rejoicing in his love, giving thanks for his grace in renewing of their covenant with God and love to all the saints. May you and I be approaching and participating in the Lord's Supper this morning. And especially I encourage you, Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion, having that in view, your love for Christ and all the saints and their love for you, but also all of us, that we be thinking that as the Lord has brought in these saints into formal covenant with us, that we'd be thinking of them especially and be rejoicing, remembering it's not just that I'm saved, it's that we're saved. It's not just that I'm Christ, we're Christ's body. Having in view 1 Corinthians 12, we need everyone. We function only together and rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, beloved, that Jesus is your personal Savior. That the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, is your shepherd. And rejoice because you have professed him publicly in marriage vows. And as we will sing in Psalm 116, as you partake, you are professing him again in the renewing of your vows. Remembering he is faithful to his vow to you in Christ. Because you have said yourself personally in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And now... You have a regular fellowship meal with him, looking ahead to that great marriage supper of the Lamb. Rejoice as you prepare to partake and be blessed in Christ's fellowship. See in the Lord's Supper especially that you are blessed 
in Christ's fellowship and approach it knowing that and rejoicing in that. And as you partake, may the Lord indeed grant that you will be blessed in Christ's fellowship as an expression that throughout every day, throughout every means and throughout the world and unto eternity in the new heavens and the new earth that you should be blessed to know that you are blessed in Christ's fellowship. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we do acknowledge that we are doubly blessed as we eat of your bread and drink of your cup. And we do know this because we see twice it is emphasized that we have communion and fellowship with you in it helping us to celebrate and rejoice and refresh in our relationship with you across the table, dining with you, looking forward to that great supper of the Lamb in eternity. Oh, Lord, we do rejoice that uh, we think of you and our union in you. We pray indeed that you nourish and strengthen us as you help us to attend to these elements and give ourselves to them. We pray your blessing, your special blessing on Mr. and Mrs. Vermillion as they uh, will partake anew with us, that you give them great joy and that we would have great joy thinking of them, that you are adding to your church. We pray also, Lord, for those beloved who are here and those that might be later uh, that are not yet uh, able to partake, that you would bring them into covenant fellowship with you and your visible church, professing you before the Lord in formal covenant vows, and then to partake and renew the vows as we remember your vow once and for all, that it is finished and we have eternal life through your unceasing priesthood. Lord, we do thank you for your church, the family and household of God. We thank you for the formal covenant relationship of God with his bride, the church, and our relationship with one of you in covenant, with, with one another in you in covenant. And we ask indeed that you bless us greatly as we partake together. Lord, we ask as we lift up this uh, bread before you and this wine, we ask that you bless us as we eat and drink of it, as we set it apart from a common to a holy use in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you would, Lord Jesus, bless this bread and bless this wine in our participation with you, in our partaking. Bless our partaking of these physical elements that speak to the true spiritual realities, Holy Spirit, you are comforter in our fellowship. Bless us with fellowship. Bless us with a sense of family and love and commitment together in Christ and Christ to us and we to him. O oh Lord, feed our faith, help thou our unbelief, nourish and strengthen us to grow in holiness and in holy service unto God. And we do thank you for this ordinance and pray you bless what you have ordained as we partake. We pray as we believe indeed in the Holy Spirit and his communion with us in your means of grace. We lift it up before you and ask your blessing in Jesus name and help us to know indeed in Jesus we are blessed. We pray in his name.